Well, uh, we're in summer mode, obviously. June's here. Uh, 100 degree temperatures are going to be here. I, think, I don't know if it hit it yesterday, but they say it's going to hit today. Kids are out of school. Uh, people are traveling. And w- so growing up in church, what uh, this is so dumb, but what we would do is we would fight um, the ebb and flow of summer, and we would try to manufacture all these things in the church to keep people from going on vacations as if, uh, like, doing something at church every day was more appealing than Hawaii or something. Um, but what we like to do here is just kind of go with the flow of things and not fight um, some of the currents. So summer tends to be um, maybe a more low-key time. There's more margin. There's more flexibility. And more than anything, as a church, uh, we desire for this to be a season of rest over the next couple of months. I know it might be hard with the heat, but uh, as much as we can do it, we want to provide some rest. So one of the things we're going to do this summer is we're going to study the book of Proverbs, or most of the book of Proverbs. And um, there'll be shorter sermons in length, um, but actually my favorite thing is I'm actually not going to teach most of them. Thank you for not clapping. (laughs) It would have been awkward. Um, But we've got, I think currently, it's at least like eight or nine people from within our church who are exceptionally great teachers and have great different perspectives on different things are going to be teaching us on Sundays throughout the summer, and I'll do some, but I'm really looking forward to hearing from our wider body, and my favorite thing as a pastor is when the body of Christ ministers to the body of Christ. It's always beautiful and usually better than when I do it, and so um, that's kind of going to be our goal for the next three um, months. I don't know if you have the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, My kids have the Jesus Storybook Bible. I love this Bible. Um, I think it's a kid's Bible, but I think every adult should have it too. Uh, there's a, it might be hard to see, but there's a little tagline on the cover, and it says, every story whispers his name. And what I love about the Jesus Storybook Bible is at the end of every story, it ends with like a foreshadowing of what Jesus would do. And so um, my son is hung up on David and Goliath right now. And uh, I had a friend who recent, uh, came by our house, and um, a friend of his was in Israel, and it was in the valley where David and Goliath happened. And he reached down and grabbed five rocks. And he brought them over to the United States. And he gave them to my friend. And my friend felt like the Lord said, give one to Drew. So he showed up at my house with me and my boy in the front yard. And he gave me this rock. And so it gave us a chance to talk about David and Goliath again to Hayden. And then I realized we need to set some boundaries. Son, you do not throw rocks at bad guys. Because <laughs> he was already thinking, we can throw rocks at people? <laughs> you know, like, no, 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 you don't do that. And so he's like obsessed with rocks. And so every night he, want, he brings me the Jesus storybook Bible. He wants to read David and Goliath. And then at the end, you know, it says, and there would be another king who came and defeated the greatest giant of all time, you know. So I love the Jesus storybook Bible because it's teaching our kids and it's teaching and it's reminding me that really everything in the scriptures from beginning to end is about Jesus, right? Uh, I was listening to a, a podcast this week with N.T. Wright. And N.T. Wright just made this incredible, he just, he's so great, but he said, um, he's talking about the mystery of God. And he said, here's the deal. When you look hard at Jesus, you start to see the glimpse of who God is. I mean, obviously, the scriptures teach Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so what I love about the Jesus Storybook Bible that was up there was that it helps us see Jesus. And as we see Jesus, it helps us see God. So um, we're going, uh, what I want is for, as we get into Proverbs this summer, I don't want us to study Proverbs 
just so we can be wise and have like all these Christian fortune cookie sayings memorized, okay? Um, I want to I study Proverbs so we can see the wisdom of Jesus in Proverbs, okay? Now, to illustrate the point, there's this um, awful slash great song by Aaron Jeffrey. Anyone know who Aaron Jeffrey is? Praise God. Okay, so, no, seriously, like 1980s Christian music at its worst. And uh, there's a song called He Is. So maybe YouTube the song He Is and just stomach through it. It's this awful 80s music and not the good 80s music, like the bad 80s music. But the lyrics are incredible and it's basically a song about who God is in all the books of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And so in that sense, the lyrics are amazing. The music, maybe Tiff could do her spin on it. But I want to read you just the Old Testament portion of this um, so you can get this concept or, or might... I'm sure you get it, but maybe deeper feel it. So here's, I'm just going to read through these. In Genesis, he's the breath of life. In Exodus, the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's our high priest. In Numbers, the fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's Moses' voice. In Joshua, he is salvation's choice. Judges, he's the lawgiver. In Ruth, the kinsman redeemer. First and second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. In Kings and Chronicles, he's sovereign. In Ezra, he's the true and faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of broken walls and lives. In Esther, he's Mordecai's courage. In Job, the timeless redeemer. In Psalms, he is our morning song. In Proverbs, he's wisdom's cry. In Ecclesiastes, the time and season. In Song of Solomon, he is the lover's dream. In Isaiah, he's the prince of peace. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. In Lamentations, the cry for Israel. Ezekiel, he's the call from sin. In Daniel, he's the stranger in the fire. In Hosea, he is forever faithful. In Joel, he is the spirit's power. In Amos, the arms that carry us. In Obadiah, he's the Lord our Savior. In Jonah, he's the great missionary. In Micah, the promise of peace. In Nahum, he is our strength and our shield. In Habakkuk and Zephaniah, he's pleading for revival. In Haggai, he restores a lost heritage. In Zechariah, our fountain. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness. Isn't that great? There's a whole New Testament part of it, which you'll have to look up. But um, what I wanted to show you that song, or half of that song, was because in Proverbs, it nails it. In Proverbs, Jesus is wisdom's cry. And we're going to look at that this morning. Um, we're going to look at uh, chapter 9 today, um, but if you have never really studied the book of Proverbs, uh, in the, I guess you'd call it the prologue, the first seven verses, Proverbs tells its theme right at the beginning, and in verse 7, and perhaps you've heard this phrase, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, yet fools despise wisdom and instruction. The goal of Proverbs is to instill wisdom into God's people. And not a wisdom that is on the cleverness of man or wisdom you'd find on Pinterest or YouTube, but it's a wisdom that is founded on loving the Lord or fearing the Lord or having an awe and respect and an honor for the Lord. And that out of having a love and an honor for the Lord, the result of that comes a wisdom and a knowledge that helps just in everyday details, um, in situations with people, with relationships, okay? And so... Um, I want to just invite, I'm just I'm trying to call you to 
um, be interested in learning what Proverbs can teach you. One of the best things about Proverbs is its simplicity and depth. Um, people have said of the scriptures that the scriptures are shallow enough to be a kiddie pool and yet deep enough to drown an elephant. And Proverbs is like that. Proverbs is shallow enough that if you're a baby, you could get something out of it and play in it. And it's deep enough where if you're an elephant, you'd have trouble swimming in it. Proverbs is like that. And so if you ever need a, a quick word from the Lord and you don't know where to read, I want to encourage you to consider Proverbs. It's one of those go-to books for me when I'm not in a study or, or maybe um, I'm reading and I'm not really sensing God speaking to me. I'll usually go to Proverbs and without fail, um, I'll, I'll hear God's voice crying out to me through wisdom and Proverbs. If you've grown up in church, you might know this trick called the proverb of the day. And if you don't, that's okay. Well, it's really simple. That is, there's 31 chapters of Proverbs. Most months have around 31 days, generally, if you're not February, or some of those other months, which I don't know which ones they are. There's a rhythm to it. I don't know it. Um, and so uh, if you don't, like this happens so many times. If you don't know what to read, and you're like, I would like to read the Bible, but I don't know where to start. It, one easy thing you could do is just look at the date. Today's the ninth. So if today's the ninth, what chapter would you read in Proverbs? Proverbs 9. Uh, you're either, you know, smart or not very confident. Like, yes, Proverbs 9. Tomorrow's the 10th. What chapter would you read tomorrow? There you go. And the day after that's the 11th. What chapter would you read? Okay. So here's what we're going to do for the summer, for June, July, and August. There's not really a rhyme or reason other than the proverb of the day. So whatever the date is of that Sunday, that's going to be the chapter we look at. Right? So there's not going to be like a theme necessarily other than whatever today's date is, we're going to do that. And so I want to encourage you to uh, maybe read the Proverbs throughout the summer. But of course, on Sunday, we're going to look at that. So Proverbs chapter, what chapter are we in today? Nine. Man, I'm going to make, make you work for it. All right? So here, we're going to do something super different. I want to invite you to turn to Proverbs 9, either on your phone if you have it, or um, there's some hard black back Bibles around you can use. And we're going to stand and we're all going to read it together, which I don't know if we've ever done here. We did that in the church I grew up with. It was great. So, um, so if you can stand, once you get it, will you stand, Jason Miller? And we're going to uh, read Proverbs 9 together. And we won't have it on the screen because I um, that might be cruel, but I'm trying to encourage you all to bring your Bible to church. So uh, it's just 18 verses. I think we can do it. Let's start. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn here. To him who lacks sense, she says, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still... Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. 
For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But she not know what the dead are there, and her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah. All right, you can have a seat. Wow, I've never done that before. That's kind of stressful for me. <laughs> All right. So, I don't want to break down the whole chapter. Um, I want to show you one thing that stands out to me, and it's that wisdom and folly, or you might, which is really like a harsher word for stupidity. It really is. To be a fool is to be worse than to be stupid. Um, but you have wisdom and folly personified in Proverbs here. There's lady wisdom and lady folly. And, and this is a really incredible thing to note, that lady wisdom and lady folly are these personified characters that show up from time to time throughout the scriptures. Um, at the beginning of the year, we studied um, part of the book of Revelation, and lady wisdom and lady folly appear in the book of Revelation just in different forms. And it's kind of interesting how John is referring to the personification of wisdom and folly here, even in that kind of you know, apocalyptic book in Revelation. Um, so this is really, on the base level, a compare and contrast against wisdom and foolishness. And, he, and he, he's using personification. So here's some similarities. Um, both wisdom and folly, they, they do these three things together. They both call the simple in verse 4 and verse 16. They both have an invitation to come and dine, which is incredible. 5 and 17. I don't even know if you saw the, the, like the, maybe the subtle reference to communion with bread and wine. Um, and they both have final destinations. Wisdom, verses 11 and 12, and folly, verses 18. So maybe, maybe this week, if you want to double back and, and do a deep dive on, on Proverbs 9, you could take this and you could start to maybe diagram this out or look deeply on on this, what's great uh, about uh, the destinations is that wisdom will tell you what her destination is. We'll get to that. Um, but folly doesn't. W- wisdom narrates her own destination. She tells you straight up, here's where it's going. But folly is deceptive. Folly does not tell you where it's going. Um, the, the destination of folly has to be narrated about because that's kind of the deception of folly. Now, here's some differences. I'll show you some differences here. Uh, start with Lady Wisdom. Um, she has built her own house. So verse 1, um, she, I mean, she's active, and apparently she knows how to build a house, and she hewn seven pillars, and you could go down the rabbit trail of the number of seven is, is completeness and pillars holding up, and you could just go there if you wanted to. Uh, another difference is that she herself made preparations. It talks about uh, she slaughtered the animal, she mixed her own wine, she set her table, and then she sent out her young women to invite guests. So, so you see just kind of the activity of Lady Wisdom. And what the personification is really revealing to us 
is that with wisdom here, there is prudence, there's strength, there's riches, and there's honor. And what I love is at the end of her, when she narrates her own destination, which is in verses 11 and 12, she's just straight up about it. Just honest. Here, if you follow me, here's where it's going to lead. Okay? Now, in contrast, folly lacks some things. Uh, lacks sense. Verse 13 says, folly knows nothing. Okay? Lacks strength and honor. She sits at the door. Um, lacks riches. The bread and water that she's offering is stolen. Right? And uh, the personification of foolishness here reveals that with foolishness, there's an emptiness, there's a crooked way, and at the end of the day, it ends badly in verse 18. Okay? Now, we started, um, if you really, really know Proverbs, you know that uh, chapters 1 and 9 is like a section. And this is the end. This is kind of like the bookend. What we just read is the bookend of one of the sections of Proverbs. And it, Proverbs begins with that verse we read, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And in here, in verse 10, is the other bookend. It says it again, slightly different. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Now, honestly, I don't under, for a long time I didn't understand this. Like, why is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge a respect and holy fear? Like, when we talk about fear, we're not talking about being scared of the Lord. We're talking about uh, like there's a reverence, okay? Um, so, just, like, I can't think of a lot of examples. I could, I um, but just right off the top of my head, because we're in San Antonio and many of you are sports fans, um, if Greg Popovich walked in here, there, or, or the Admiral, or, or Tim Duncan, there would be a, <gasps> right? There, you wouldn't be scared of them, but you, there, you might be a pop. <laughs> but there would be, like, a respect for those players because of what they've done, right? And who they are and, and all this stuff. And you could think of, like, who would that be for you? You know, and it may just be like, you're, you're, maybe you have an awesome grandma. And like if your grandma walked in the room, like you wouldn't be scared of her, but you'd have a respect and an honor or something like that. It didn't make sense to me for a long while, but as, as I've studied this, one of the great things I've realized is the, the journey towards wisdom begins with honoring and respecting the Lord because our life begins with, with reverence and humility before our maker and redeemer. If you don't have love, respect, or humility before the maker of the mountains or the one who bled and died on Mount Calvary, you're toast. There's really not a lot of hope for you to have true wisdom if at the starting line you don't have a respect for God. I mean, it's just at the end of the day, it's going to be very difficult for you to love your neighbor as yourself fully if it doesn't come from a place of first loving God. Okay? Now, this brings up another question is it mentions wisdom and knowledge. What's the difference between wisdom and knowledge? My favorite definitions are knowledge is knowing information. Wisdom is knowing how to apply information. That's the difference. Uh, there are a lot of people who are knowledgeable, and yet they do stupid things. Why? Because they're not wise. They don't know how to, they're not street smart. They might be book smart, but they're not street smart. They don't know how to put the things they know into practice. There's, I, uh, I'm not a huge fan of tomatoes or fruits or salads. I'm trying. But maybe you've heard this and it makes sense to you. Knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing 
uh, wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad, right? And that's kind of the difference between knowledge and wisdom. I, li- I like ketchup. That's about it, right? So um, let's go to Jesus. Uh, in Matthew 7, the greatest sermon ever told, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus ends what is his greatest kind of presentation with wise and foolishness. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Kind of fascinating if you understand Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly and the different destinations. One ends well, one ends in Sheol in Proverbs 9. Jesus is kind of doing the same thing. Like if you hear these words, it's really a call. I mean, Proverbs 9 is wisdom's cry. Wisdom's calling out, inviting people and in here, Jesus is doing the same thing. If you hear the words of mine and you put them into practice, it's going to go well for you. But if you hear these words of mine and you don't put them into practice, you don't assimilate them into your life, it's going to go bad for you. It's, full, it's so fascinating how these two passages are touching each other and they're touching on the same thing. Are you building your house on the rock? would be a great question to leave today with. Do you hear the words of Jesus calling to you? Or have you grown um, deaf to wisdom's cry? Uh, There's an analogy I I, I share often, so if I've overshared it, forgive me. Um, There's a wonderful story of a Native American who visited Manhattan. He's visiting a friend from New York. And the New Yorker wants to take his Native American friend um, to Times Square to show him, like, something he would never see. And the whole time, the New Yorker is like, look, look at these screens, look at this, look at this restaurant. The whole time, the Native American is like doing this. And the New Yorker is getting frustrated, as New Yorkers could probably do. And he starts to like say, hey, buddy, like, what are you doing? We're here in Times Square. And the, the Native American keeps saying, I, I hear a cricket. And the New Yorker's like, you're crazy. You can't hear a cricket. This is Times Square. It's loud, right? And just sensory overload. And the Native American says, no, I hear a cricket. And um, he goes through this like five-minute drama of going and looking behind all these bushes. And the New Yorker's like, maybe we've just overloaded him with his senses and he's losing his mind. Finally, the Native American crosses the street to this bodega, and he goes up to the stoop, and he looks right behind the bush, and he pulls out a cricket who's tripping. And the New Yorker loses his mind. He's like, how in the world could you hear that cricket across the street in Times Square? And the, the, um, the Native American smiled, and he said, it's because you hear what you tune your ears to hear. And he pulled out of his pocket a bunch of quarters, and he said, watch this. And he opened his hand, and he dropped a bunch of money on the ground. And within like 20 yards, every New Yorker stopped and looked around because they heard money hit the pavement. And he was proving a point. It's like, y- y- y'all here in Manhattan are tuned to listen and value money. 
I've been tuning my ears to value creation, and I can hear creation. Y'all can hear money dropping, right? Are you tuning your ears to hear wisdom's cry? Because the reality is, like, wisdom could be calling out to you, and you, you could be like that, those New Yorkers, just, like, totally tone deaf to the, the, the still, small voice of the Holy Spirit calling out to you. So I'm wondering if maybe this summer, this is a, a massive time to, like, reset and to say, okay, have I tuned my ears to hear wisdom's cry? Or am I kind of walking into the ways of folly? Right? And no one wants to walk in the ways of folly. But if we're honest, we, we probably all do in some way, shape, or I do. Without trying, wake up in the morning, give me two minutes, and I could very well be walking in the ways of folly. Okay? And so uh, here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love um, to uh, ask you a couple of questions for you to consider. Uh, just the first one, um, uh, X, X zero, would be, uh, would you consider reading the Proverbs would you consider reading the proverb of the day? It takes like five minutes, okay? Uh, so the first one would be, uh, do you have a Bible and a journal and a pen that you like? This was actually, uh, uh, I was a pastor, and I hated reading the Bible because I, I couldn't understand it. And I finally found a Bible that I liked, and this is it. And I, I, I bought a like, legit analog, and I'm a digital guy. I'm an Apple guy. Um, but I, I bought an, a real, like, you can touch it Bible. And um, my goal is, to, is when I'm gone that my kids will have this and they'll have, you know, whatever, I don't know how many years, 40, 50-year record of dad's faith because I've taken notes and I've highlighted. I mean, I'm just, and so I just, I found a Bible that I liked. I have a favorite pen right here. It's a blue, it's cheap. It's a blue Ink Joy Gel 0.7 Paper Mate Pen. And the cheapest pen you can find, but it, it, I like the way it writes. So this is my favorite pen. Don't you steal it. And uh, I found a pen that I like. And I like blue is my favorite color, so I got a blue pen. I have a, uh, a journal that I like. And um, it has like these pockets, so I can put, I don't even know what's in here. I can put like notes people give me in the back. And this isn't even a moleskin. Like, moleskins are stupid expensive. This is an Amazon Basics $9. Like, Amazon has a knockoff for $9. You can get a moleskin lookalike for 9 bucks on Amazon. And I have stacks of these on my bookshelf in my office. So just, um, and I know men kind of don't like to journal, right? And I look at it as like reports. Like, this is my reports, you know? Um, but here's what I've learned. Someone, it took me a long time to, to own up to this because I was like, I don't want to journal. That's so... No, I don't have time, and it's kind of, you know, it's perceived as girly, and it's not. Um, and then I tried it, and here's what, I don't know, this might not be true for you, this is what happened to me. I discovered that the Lord doesn't necessarily speak to me um, differently every day. He kind of says the same thing to me every day for like three months. And usually it's month three that I get it. And so uh, this ha- the, here, here's how this happened, is um, I went back in my journal. I, I like opened my mouth and I said something and I got in trouble. And then I was journaling about it. And then I was flipping through the past couple of weeks of what I was reading through and journaling. And all the scriptures that stood out to me that I wrote down on my journal were like, 
you know, James, like the tongue is a fire, or in Proverbs, it talks about, you know, not correcting a scoffer. And I realized for three months, the Lord had been speaking to me about watching my mouth. (laughs) And I was tone deaf. I was not listening to the cricket. But the value of keeping a record of it helped me see, it's like, oh, it's not that the Lord isn't speaking, it's sometimes my ears are deaf, or I'm distracted, or I just got all these calloused walls that the Lord is constantly being through. And maybe that's not the truth for you. Maybe I'm just, this is like therapy and I'm just confessing my, my issues with you. Um, but what I've noticed is I can see patterns and I can see clear chapters and um, I can see the Lord speak to me. In hindsight, it's you 2020. And so I've found having a Bible you like, a pen that you like, and a journal that you like to be so fruitful. And I want to encourage you this summer to try it. You don't have to do it every day. I don't journal every day. Um, I, I like to do it a couple of times a week, okay? And um, so start, start small. Uh, second is, do you have a reading plan? If you don't, um, here's the deal. If I don't have a reading plan, I don't read. I hope this is a safe place to confess that. I have to have a reading plan or I won't read. That might be my personality. So I want to encourage you, if you need to borrow the Proverbs of the day, do that. There's other, obviously, other things you can do there. Um, do you have a routine? This this was really key for me, was um, um, I, needed, I needed a time to do it. And so what, the, what I, someone taught me, they said, Drew, it's a lot harder to start a discipline cold. But if you already have a discipline in place, it's a lot easier to hack that discipline and add on to it. So this person helped me to see, do you brush your teeth every day? Yes, well, that's a discipline you do without thinking about it. Hopefully, that's yours too. Um, they said, do you drink coffee every day? I was like, yes, I go downstairs. The first thing I do is I make a cup of coffee. And I said, okay, well, why not add reading, let's say the proverb of the day, when you drink your coffee? Oh, and it was a lot easier for me to get into the habit of reading the scriptures every day when I added it to something I was already doing. Brushing teeth didn't work out, so I had to go to coffee. That was way easier to like read the scriptures with coffee than with Colgate. So uh, maybe yours is in the evening, maybe, I don't know. But, but you, you can do this, and you, you have lots of these disciplines throughout the day. Um, the, the fourth thing I'd recommend is, do you have a buddy? Don't do this alone. Like, if, if, if you're here and you're listening like, man, I haven't read my Bible in three months or whatever, and I want to do this, but I always fail... Try uh, finding a buddy. Like, don't leave this room without a buddy that you can say, hey, will you do this with me for the next month or the next week or the next three months or forever until we die? You know, like, just find a buddy and do it. I promise it, it, it helps. And then the last one, which is the most important out of all of these tips, is, um, and I don't know that I put it, I did put it on here. Have you called for the Spirit's help? Today's Pentecost, and Tiff opened up with um, this call to worship. We didn't plan this, praise God, um, but the scripture I wanted to share at the very end was the same one we read at the very beginning, John 14, 26. It's the verse of the day if you have the Bible app. Jesus says, But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Isn't that great? This is the greatest, out of all those tips that I give you, because I, I know sometimes those practical things help, by far, this is the best one. 
we do not have a shot at knowing who God is without the Spirit revealing him to us. It's the Spirit's job to reveal Christ to us. And so if you could have your favorite Bible and a journal and a plan and a pen, but if you haven't stopped with some humility and said, Lord, I just come to you and I give you all of my junk and I'm really asking you, Holy Spirit, to show me your truth. Like, that's all you got to do. Like, if you can do more than that, but like if you at least do that, you just close your eyes and stop and say, Holy Spirit, please come and teach me. He will come and teach you, I promise. He does it every time I ask him. It's his job, okay? Um, as we close, I, I want to just remind us of the good news. The good news is not, if you read the proverb of the day, God will love you more. The good news is not, if you have a journal and a buddy and you do all this and you do it with your coffee, that God will, no, 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 no. The simple gospel is it's like not our religion, it's not our empty thing, it's, it's Christ finished work on the cross, okay? That's the only thing. There's nothing you could ever do to make God love you more. And when you miss a day in your Bible reading or your devotions or whatever, or more than that, there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. Man, it's the best way to understand the Bible, the, the gospel, is there's nothing, like you're not in the equation, okay? All we're talking about here is practical ways that you can receive more of the love of God that is coming to you without your earning, without your merit, okay? Like the crickets are always chirping. But all we're talking about is a way to find the cricket who's coming to you, so to speak, for using that analogy, okay? Make sense? Heavenly Father, we, uh, we just want to give you our lives. We give you the summer. We give you this uh, series. More than anything, God, we, um, we don't seek more wisdom or knowledge because we want to do it and we want to grasp onto it. Lord, we seek you from a place of honor and fear and respect because you loved us first, not because we love you. I wonder if there's any hint of religious activity or guilt or shame or I have to do this, but I pray you'd wash all that away by the power of your spirit because all we, all we desire is more of you. Not by our effort, not by our um, cleverness, not even by our plans and our favorite pins. God, we know the good news of great joy for all people is that it is Christ Jesus who won the day. And we need more of you, God. More of your life, more of your spirit, more of your energy, more of your character and nature. Because we're broken vessels, we're jars of clay, we're fragile pots that are leaky and that break, that get tipped over. We need more of you, Lord. Fill us more with your Holy Spirit. But for those listening in who have kept you at a distance or have felt their sin and their foolishness keeping you at a distance, God, I pray you would overcome all of that in, in the blink of an eye. We ask that you would surround every person here listening with more of your presence, more of your love, 
We love you so much, Jesus. Thank you for everything you've done for us on the cross, for being wisdom when we could not be wisdom, for calling out and meeting us in our folly. Thank you, Lord, for calling out, for making the preparations, for slaughtering the lamb, for setting the table, and sending the invitation to come and feast to learn from you. Thank you for showing us your gospel in Proverbs 9. Lord, we need your help to hear wisdom's cry. We need your courage and your strength to reject the shallow and deceptive invitation of the ways of this world. So finally, we pray as our Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.